Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers is Barry Porter. He's the Regional Chief Executive Officer of the American Red Cross. And while he is, of course, located in the Triangle of North Carolina, the things that he is talking about have to do with the entire state of North Carolina. And the Red Cross, of course, works effectively in every part of the state, every part of the country, and as a matter of fact, every part of the world. Uh, Barry, uh, I'm sure that uh, we, we, we spent the first segment talking about the uh, increased need for blood, and we'll go back to that a little bit in the final segment. And then we spent some time talking about the other areas uh, that the American Red Cross takes care of, such as uh, taking care of those who have had fires or personal emergencies. But all of this takes money, and uh, of course, with uh, a lot of people now faced with uh, different economic situations because of the COVID-19, how are your donations holding up, and how's your funding working out? Yeah, that's a great question for a lot of not-for-profits, right, Don, across yes. the country who are trying to meet increased demands for food. Uh, for shelter needs, for um, utility assistance, all of those things. And so we are right there with them as an organization, still delivering those programs and services to meet the needs to sustain life. Our mission is to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies. And emergencies haven't stopped in the midst of the pandemic. Fires still happened. Hur hurricanes and tornadoes and flooding still happened. People still had car accidents, though driving was down. People still battled cancer and all of the things that uh, are required to go through treatment for that that require <clears throat> blood products. And so we have been at work, uh, very committed to delivering that mission and yet trying to raise the dollars to deliver the mission. And earlier, Don, you know, we mentioned we talked about the antibodies for the testing and that we launched that. And that was a good recruitment tool to get people to come in and find out could they possibly have been exposed to the virus? Do they have the antibodies? That's what we were testing for. Uh, but that test uh, was about a $7.50 increase in cost for us. And that's um, $3,750 a day in Eastern North Carolina, or about $8,000 across the state every day to provide that test. We didn't have the funds. We don't get reimbursed by the hospitals for those expenses. So we've been trying to raise money uh, to support the test. Uh, so for as little as $7.50 donation, you can help us to do one more test of a donor tomorrow to make sure that they um, are safe to give blood and that the antibodies are present. So we're doing those kind of things, adding cost to our operation and still doing the operation. Earlier we mentioned uh, putting people in hotels as being more expensive than putting them in a school shelter. But it was essential that we do that and provide families with care. And yet we know we spent probably 25 or $30 million uh, additional above a disaster than we normally do. And Don, I can give, you know, I know that you um, through the Curtis Foundation have been a supporter of the Red Cross and you remember Hurricane Florence two years ago. And two years ago in Hurricane Florence, across America, we received $69 million for North Carolina, and we've spent $69 million in re relief and recovery uh, by the end of January 2021, just another month out, and we got $69 million donated. In the floods and the hurricanes this year, all across America and the wildfires, we only had $82 million 
in donations for all of those events. And so you can see the impact. You mentioned that economic impact of donations on corporations and individuals. Uh, and yet we were spending more money in providing relief to families. So it's been a very challenging year for the American Red Cross. Giving a gift to the Red Cross is an effective delivery of a mission of preventing and alleviating human suffering. And we hope that uh, we can encourage folks to go to redcross.org here at the end of the year, click on that donation button uh, and give $5, $10, $100. All of those donations add up to helping us to deliver the mission and not stopping because again, emergencies have not stopped in this pandemic. Well, it's, uh, and of course you have the, we were talking earlier about uh, personal uh, fires and residential fires. When someone's home is destroyed, you go, you rush to the scene and you have to provide clothing, housing and so forth. And uh, that also is a part of your budget. Yeah, absolutely. And across uh, North Carolina, we spend about $3 million every year buying food, clothing, and shelter for families who lose that home to fires. And you would think, well, what about their insurance? Well, Don, most fires don't happen in um, the right neighborhood, if you will, the neighborhood that could afford it uh, because of conditions of how people uh, cook or overload their uh, home. Or the home is older and has more conditions. Fires tend to hit the families and the communities that can least afford the impact of a fire. And so I, I, I would guess that uh, during the winter, you have more fires because of, yes. as you said, the, uh, the uh, requirement for people trying to keep their homes warm means they take more chances. And of course they use more electricity and probably more portable devices and things of that nature that, that uh, perhaps cause fires. Yeah, absolutely. We um, normally about in, let's say in July, we will see four fires a day across the uh, region and about uh, nine to 10 in the state during the winter months that jumps up between 14 and 16 fires a day. Uh, you know, don't, oh, it's only four fires, but if you multiply that times 120 days of winter, uh, right, uh, or cold temperatures, you get a lot more families being impacted, Don. And so you're right. It's that time of year that we see this uh, called fire season in our vernacular and fire departments are called to the scenes. They get there. And what's wonderful is the, these paid and volunteer fire departments that go to the scenes, they then call us. They call our volunteers 24-7 uh, to be there like the family we were talking or the families earlier in Fayetteville uh, that we were talking about from the 37 people displaced at one time. That was 12 families. Uh, in one day, and we average six families a day, uh, just in eastern North Carolina, about 10 families across the state. And so getting to those families, providing care, and then beyond the direct financial assistance of food, clothing, and shelter that we pay for, Don, is working with each of them in their communities to bring resources. You know, in a large-scale hurricane, you see people doing food drives and water drives and things of that nature to help. But when it's a one family at a time in a small community, you need to be an advocate. So we also do good casework to bring resources to these families because 62% of the families we go to do not have insurance, not even content insurance. And now they're um, you know, working families for the most part and they find themselves standing on the street, watching their memories and their household goods go up in flame and then they need support and the American Red Cross is that first agency. We're first uh, relievers, if you will. There's first responders and we're the first ones to be there to provide relief. 
Has the COVID-19 situation and the pandemic uh, changed your uh, involvement with the military? Because the Red Cross, of course, has always had a long-term relationship with the military and with uh, the personnel in the military. You know, one of the unique things, Don, is that uh, our director for uh, services to armed forces programs, our emergency communication financial support, she actually deployed this year to Iraq, not as a member of the United States military, but as a member of the United States American Red Cross. And so she went to Iraq and was there from about the 3rd of February, and she was supposed to come back in August. Well, with the pandemic and the closures and things, she had to extend. They couldn't get replacements. And so she actually did not get back till middle of November uh, because of the, the impact of the pandemic. And so she was in Iraq. And a lot of folks from the 82nd Airborne out of Fort Bragg are uh, stationed in the Middle East. And so she was amazed with the number of the cases that here she was. She left North Carolina. Uh, to go help the military families uh, that were deployed to the Middle East and then getting all these cases from the families uh, in the military. Because if a crisis happened and an emergency happens uh, for a family while a um, uh, service member is deployed, it's the Red Cross message of you need to come home. You've got this critical emergency. There's someone critically ill. There's been a death in your family. Those are how soldiers, sailors, and Marines and airmen get that message from the Red Cross. And so we had to continue to deliver those, had to do them more remotely, but it was just unique that Robin, our SAF director who had deployed again as a Red Crosser to Baghdad for uh, most of 2020, then got to handle cases directly from North Carolina and particularly from a lot of members at Fort Bragg to, to assist them. The other thing that did have impact was, I mentioned earlier, working at Womack Hospital. And working at Womack Hospital, uh, you are a Red Cross volunteer in the pharmacy, in the, the greeting area, in the uh, dental clinic. And so we had to make sure that those volunteers were meeting the protocols, but assisting the hospital to stay operational. We did that also at Camp Lejeune and at clinics at Seymour uh, Johnson. So our volunteers, again, donned their PPE, their masks and gloves, and still showed up to make a difference in the lives of military families. Uh, but it has had its impact uh, on ways in which we can reach out and touch those families as well. Well, I want to get back to what we started with here in this segment, and that is a, a plea that uh, people consider the work of the American Red Cross in your end of the year giving. Uh, the work that you do is just, uh, it's, it's incredible, and, and it would fall back on uh, the over on the, the government to, to do these things, but you can do them so much better and so much more effect, effectively and with so much more compassion. So again, uh, Barry, if someone wants to donate and, and, uh, uh, and we urge them to do so, how do they do that? They can send a donation to their local Red Cross and looking that up in, uh, online or uh, by, um, you know, uh, other methods, I suppose. But uh, 100 Pear Tree Lane here in Raleigh or your local Red Cross chapter in your community. Calling 1-800-RED-CROSS is another simple way to do so. Or simply going to redcross.org, redcross.org and clicking on the links that talk about donation. And in doing those donations, Don, you can direct it to your local chapter even online. It does not go up to the national organization. It will be local. Thank you so much. Barry Porter, the Regional Chief Executive Office of the American Red Cross, and we'll be back with one final segment 
Uh, and we're going to go back and review the, uh, the blood situation when we do that. And we'll do that right after these messages. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities. He's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right, they can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Barry Porter, who has been serving in the uh, Triangle area as the Regional Chief Executive Officer of the American Red Cross for many, many, many years. I, how long have you been here, Barry? I forgot to ask Since you that. Since June 2004, my family got the blessing of moving to the great state of North Carolina from the state of Alabama. Well, uh, their loss was our gain, and we <laughs> certainly have enjoyed working with you. We started the program off by talking about the new demands on the American Red Cross for your, I guess, the, the part of the Red Cross that you're very highly uh, known for, and that is blood collection. And right now, you've got a double duty with regards to the blood collection during the COVID situation. Uh, explain that one more time. Sure. So you're right. Our first uh, priority is the collection of whole blood or red blood cells uh, and plasma and platelets. Those are the go-to products that have been in existence for a long time for physicians to order from the Red Cross and to put into the body of a person fighting an illness or a, uh, an accident. And we've been doing that for years. Uh, but now in 2020, uh, with the FDA's authority, we have created a uh, a partnership to create um, and collect convalescent plasma. That is the plasma from donations of people who have fully recovered from COVID-19. They got the virus, they got over it, their body is producing antibodies. That production of antibodies is potentially a key to another person's recovery. And so they can get this transfusion of plasma from an individual into their body. It's now antibody rich with antibodies that their body has created to fight the coronavirus and it goes to work and has been uh, proven if given early on to a, a patient in the hospital an effective uh, treatment as one of many treatments against uh, the virus so we're really excited about being a part of this our goal is to collect 200,000 donations across america and about nine to ten thousand of those need to come out of the state of north carolina for our hospitals to meet their demands for the patient products that we have 
And so those are important uh, aspects of providing blood and blood products. And, I'm, and by the way, Donald, I'm on this call. I'm getting a call from the Red Cross asking me to donate blood. So what a timely call is I was trying to shut my phone off during the interview. Uh, so I'm a blood donor, too, and I'll be scheduling my appointment. I'd like to encourage others to do the same. Join me in this life-saving effort. So if you have had COVID-19 and you are fully recovered and you would like to uh, help others who may have more serious conditions than you had, uh, then you are someone that uh, the Red Cross is very interested in hearing from. Yes. Uh, I think you told me that the process takes a little longer, uh, but uh, I think, what did you say, an hour? It takes about 90 minutes, um, 90 minutes. From, the, from the actual process because your body is uh, going to circulate its blood through a machine uh, and that uh, through what is the uh, process of uh, cell separation will separate out your red cells from your plasma, collect additional plasma from you, put the red cells back. Because again, what we're after is this straw colored yellow liquid, 95% water that now has this enriched concentration of antibodies that could fight off convalescent, I mean, excuse me, the coronavirus. And so we're gonna collect those, put those in a bag, test those just like every other blood donation to make sure it's safe to be given to a patient. Then a physician can order that for those patients and give. And you know, one of the things I didn't stress earlier, Don, is that one person donating plasma will actually have that plasma donation broken into three parts or three equal parts. So I'm the donor. I came in because I recovered from convalesc or from coronavirus and COVID-19. I donate and now I can actually have my plasma help three different COVID patients, not just one. It's not a one-to-one -one exchange. My plasma can be actually split up and given to three different patients and maybe touch three lives who are battling COVID-19. I want to be sure that we make it clear that you are continuing your regular collection of blood as well. So you don't have to have had COVID-19. No, that's right. You don't have to have COVID-19. And if you get a vaccination from uh, coming up in the months ahead here in January and February, you will still be eligible to donate blood there's been some misinformation out there that maybe you'd be deferred for a very lengthy period of time after the vaccine. If you're feeling well, you can donate plasma, platelets, or red cells, the things that we need every two seconds in America, Don, somebody gets a blood transfusion. So let's again give the uh, information about if you've had COVID-19, uh, how you get in touch with the Red Cross. Sure. So the, uh, there's a particular website, but first is go to redcrossblood.org or redcrossblood.org forward slash plasma. There's a registration there for you to indicate where, you know, uh, that you'd like to donate. Then you're going to get a call from a screener who's going to talk to you because we're going to validate that you truly had the virus, right? Because if we're going to hook you up to a machine, collect your blood, we need that plasma to be confirmed that you had the virus and are fully recovered. We get that uh, documented, schedule your appointment, put you in a chair for about an hour and a half. An hour and a half later, you get up going home feeling great and adding to the fact that you could donate three units of your plasma to someone in the hospital now battling that same illness. And again, we also urge you, if you are considering volunteering with the American Red Cross, they're doing special training. They will provide you with all the equipment, the PPE, and right. all the training to keep you safe. 
And of course, the ordinary work of the Red Cross continues all the things that you normally take care of, the fire uh, disasters that individuals Military have program, and so right. forth. And uh, even and, CPR and first aid training, Don, we're still teaching people life-saving skills. And I just learned of a lady today who saved her husband's life after getting her Red Cross training uh, back in November. He had a heart attack at home and she saved his life because she'd taken that CPR training. So we're still doing that too. I f forgot to talk about that. I just sort of assumed that that might be stopping, but that's continuing too. Yes, absolutely, because uh, there are requirements for people to have that skill and to have that certification. Uh, and so you have to have those classes. They're all socially distanced. Everybody only uses one mannequin, all the things that people would expect in this unique environment. But again, a part of the American Red Cross health and safety training to save lives with CPR, first aid, and the use of an AED. Well, Barry, on behalf of a very grateful uh, public, we want to thank not only you and the paid staff, but all the unpaid volunteers who do such wonderful work for so many. And uh, again, uh, I, I urge people to consider a donation to the American Red Cross during this time because your budget's being strained. As you pointed out, you're putting up people in hotels at extra cost because of this situation. Uh, the uh, extra cost of the blood collection program and so forth is putting a strain on your budget. Yeah. So you can always use the extra money. Absolutely. And, you know, folks um, need to know that we are a trustworthy organization. We are transparent. We try to do the right thing. We deliver the mission every day down the street, across the nation and around the world. And the American Red Cross is a highly rated charity, but it's because of those volunteers. Our volunteers last year in North Carolina worked about 450,000 volunteer hours. Uh, just imagine if we were having to pay them, Don. So you can give a gift of time, money, and blood to the American Red Cross here at the end of the year, and you will touch lives, prevent and alleviate human suffering in your own community. Well, Barry, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. And again, thank you so much for your work, the work of the uh, staff, and also all of the volunteers. Uh, I remind it. you that the Carolina Newsmaker program comes in two different versions. If you've listened to the half-hour version, if you'd like to hear the additional segments, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear two additional segments. Or if you'd like to share it with a friend, you can do that as well. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on this same group of stations. In the meantime, during this holiday season, we urge you to drive carefully. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.